It's 8.45 in the the morning on a Wednesday at the small branch bank near here, and the bank has been open for about three-quarters of an hour. Only one teller is working both the drive-through window and the lobby, alternating between the two. When I arrive, the only two people that I see in the bank are the female teller and an elderly woman who is making a transaction. The two women talk, but it is clear that they are both there for very different reasons. The elderly woman's bank transaction is taking a long, long time. The teller is patiently trying to help her as I stand in line trying to be patient myself, and a car pulls into the drive through However, more than doing her banking, the elderly woman is hungry for conversation, for connection. She wants to talk to someone, someone with even only a passing interest in her life, like a bank teller. I overhear the conversation plainly. There's talk about her cat. There's talk about a memorial service she went to for a friend. There's excited talk about a granddaughter's upcoming wedding. The motorist in the drive through and I look at each other through the plate glass window. Our eyes say, how long will this take? Is there no one else working here at this bank? Neither of us protests, but we are each slightly annoyed. As the teller tries to break it off with the woman during the story, she is effectively pulled back in with yet another detail. As my compassion grows for all four of us, I decide that I will be the gracious one and I'll let the motorist go first. We will all be done with this awkward situation soon enough. Once the elderly woman has left, the bank teller will help many more customers during her shift. The motorist and I will go on to whatever it is we're doing for the rest of the day. But the hunger for conversation and connection will stay with the elderly woman, suffering openly from loneliness. What does her day hold for her? How might her loneliness thwart her at every turn. We have all been lonely at times, and we all know that we don't necessarily need to be alone to feel lonely. Loneliness can come upon us even when we are surrounded by people. One of the reasons I avoid shopping malls is that the lonely are on display there, and they make me sad. The lonely sit motionless under the artificial trees in the atrium. They listlessly finger the clothing in the bright, cheerful stores. They linger over trays of fast food in the food court. The lonely walk up and down the glittering halls of the mall, looking for a connection that is impossible to make there. We have all been in their shoes, each and every one of us. We have all felt so miserably alone at one time or another that we just wanted to scream, See me. Look at me. Talk to me. I suspect that we each 
could take a short walk out onto Main Street here in beautiful Concord and find loneliness even here, both in the shops and in the beautiful houses that line our streets. Loneliness is not something that happens to other people. It happens to us. And it happens to us so often that it actually frightens us. It can even happen to us right here at church. There's a fancy Greek word I learned in seminary, parakletos. Variously translated, parakletos means Holy Spirit or spirit of remembering or spirit of reminding. Parakletos is the thing that connects you, that connects me with that which is much greater than ourselves. It is parakletos that connects you to the Tao, to the way, to the plan, to the ground of being, whatever you name it, whatever you call it. The only way we seminarians could remember this funny Greek word was to associate it with the word that it looks most like, parakeet. (laughs) Parakletos parakeet. And in seminary and in life, the parakeet reference was helpful in another way, too. For when you think about the Holy Spirit as being a parakeet, an annoying but cheerful budgie, it becomes instantly accessible. The Holy Spirit is not some grand, unknowable presence. The Holy Spirit becomes the parakeet of your soul. It becomes your own portable connection to all other living things. I sometimes like to imagine that those lonely people at the bank or in the mall have a small parakeet riding on their shoulders, simply there to remind themselves by chattering in their ear over and over and over, saying, you are not alone, you are connected, you matter. It is parakletos that can lead us back to community time and time again. In an article titled, Alone Among Friends, Kat Banakis, a bivocational Episcopal priest, writes, When I am among people, yet at my absolute loneliness, if I can ward off the instinct to consume an entire platter of appetizers and thereby drown my woes in a self-induced carb quaalude fog, if I can do this, sometimes I can hear a voice that sounds something like my own, but warmer, saying, I know you're sad. I know you're scared. There was a before. There will be an after. Stay at the party. That voice, she says, I have decided, is my experience of the parakletos. It is probably around all the time, but I am most open to being reminded that I am connected to something bigger when I feel the most alone or the most afraid of remaining alone. The antidote to loneliness, of course, is community. 
Community is the place where we are seen and heard. It is the place where we don't have to be anyone other than ourselves. How wonderful is that? It is in community that we are held when we succeed and when we fail. Community can hold us when we are at our best selves and when we are at our most despicable, our most sinful. Community can celebrate joy with us and mourn our losses, too. In groups large and small, community is what helps humans regulate themselves and each other. One of the main reasons for religious community, for this church, is to assist all of us to live into our best selves. It is here to acknowledge our humanness and to link that humanness to something much larger than our own selfish egos. So if the antidote to loneliness is community, why is it so very hard at times for us to find balance there? Why do we struggle within community? Why do we find ourselves sometimes fed up? Why can't we stand the other people in the community at at times? What is it about community that attracts us and repels us, saves us and drives us away? How must we move continually closer to and further from community to stay in right relationship with it? I like to think of community, and religious community in particular, as the gravitational core of a living system. Community pulls at us, and we need it. It draws us in when we are lonely. It restores us when we are tired. It heals us when we are wounded. Yet the pull of community can be so strong that we run the risk of being sucked into the core itself, losing our own sense of self. We run the risk of identifying too much with the group, of being too enmeshed in it. The most extreme case of this would be a cult, which has control over its members, minds, and bodies. When the gravitational pull of community becomes too much for us, we must resist it by seeking solitude. We must restore ourselves in a way that resembles loneliness, but is qualitatively much different than being alone. When the pressure of community becomes too great, we must move away from the core for a time, so that we can refresh ourselves again. But this does not come naturally to us at all. In a clever little 100-word piece titled, I'm Shocked, Shocked, Dave Malachar reports, Timothy Wilson is a psychologist at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. He just did a study where, basically, subjects were given the choice between spending some time alone with their thoughts or voluntarily experiencing painful electric shocks. (laughs) I am not making this up. Most folks opted for the jolt of juice in preference to a quiet ramble through their own heads. I can't know what's happening up in those noggins, he says, but I'm figuring it's probably not good. 
which might explain how come there's so many sources selling ideas and opinions you simply absorb and regurgitate rather than having to come up with your own. Just as it is hard for us to get out from under loneliness when it grips us, it is equally hard to take that quiet ramble through our own heads. We live in a world designed to keep us occupied, anxious, and entertained at every waking moment. Yet all the world's religions, including Unitarian Universalism, lift up the concept of meditation, of prayer, of retreat. Every religion recognizes that we humans need solitude, Every successful religious leader includes time of solitude in his or her ministry. Moses, Abraham, and Muhammad all left their followers at times to be alone. The Buddha, Gandhi, the Dalai Lama, Thich Nhat Hanh, each relies on times of solitary meditation to restore their ability to lead. Probably the most famous example of a religious leader intentionally taking himself out of community for a time is Jesus of Nazareth. The gospel attributed to Mark reports, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Not only was solitary prayer a daily spiritual practice for Jesus, He was known for taking three and four days off alone to fast and pray. And, of course, there's that famous story of him spending 40 days in the wilderness, a time of deep spiritual retreat in which he had visions. So what was Jesus doing, going off by himself, when there was so much work to be done? Surely he would have been much more effective, wouldn't you think, if he had just stuck to his schedule of healing people? Did he really deserve to go off wandering by himself? He clearly didn't live in my world. He clearly didn't live in the real world. All of that solitude would never have happened if he'd had kids to get to soccer practice or ballet practice. He couldn't have been that selfish if he had had work deadlines and quarterly reports and inter-office emails to write, I tell you now, what did Jesus know about pressure? No commuter train to catch. No three dozen perfect cupcakes to bake for a second grade class. No two-acre lawn to mow. The only way Jesus could get away with lollygagging about like that was because he lived with his mother. (laughs) She probably did all his laundry, too, and kept the fridge stocked. Some religious example, indeed. And yet... We laugh, and we know his example is right. Just as humans are not meant to live lives of loneliness, they are not meant to live lives devoid of solitude and reflection either. The extremes of too little community and too much community are equally damaging. 
and this is hard for competent, effective people to remember. We fool ourselves into thinking that if we are busy, then we must be happy. If we are overscheduled, then we must be effective. If we are stressed out, then we must be productive. This overfunctioning is as soul numbing as the dreaded loneliness. Unless we seek out solitude, we will never know the rich rewards of a spiritual life. Just as I make it a daily spiritual practice of thinking about the possibility of my own death, I also try to make it a daily spiritual practice to find 20 minutes or half an hour to do absolutely nothing. This inactivity is not nearly as fancy or as refined as actual meditation, but it is related. It is just 20 minutes or a half an hour of stillness in which I neither give in to the urge to be entertained nor do I banish any of the thoughts that happen to come my way. It can happen at home, in my car, in a parking lot, or at my desk in the office. I take, as Dave Meneker calls it, a quiet ramble through my own head. For 20 minutes or half an hour, I am simply still, present with my thoughts, but not critical of them. If loneliness creeps in, I acknowledge it. If insecurities pop up, I say, well, hello there. If the urge to get things done yells at me, I tell it that it too can wait. Solitude amid the busyness of life is just as healthful as a week-long solo retreat. It helps me, it helps hold me in relationships with others. My time alone helps me build community. Whether we are lonely or harried, community will always be there for us. May we help one another remember this. May we always make it so. So be it. Amen.